It's that time of the week again. It's the Knock On podcast here on Scoreline and KCLR. Joining us on the show today is former Leinster captain Chris Pym and Tullo legend Johnny Tobin. How are you going, lads? All good, yeah. You? All good. Uh, he gets that... I just got to be a captain. <laughs> well, you are a legend, Chris. That you've, <laughs> you've naturally cemented that status. Um, already by being a Leinster captain um, uh, at that stage. No, it's great to have the two years on, lads. Uh, t- rugby is still going, thankfully. Um, we're well into July now at this stage as well. It's it's not every summer we get to chat about stuff, but we have the lines on. We're going to go into details in the lines in a couple of moments and plenty to talk about there. But we have to take a look at what's happening on our own doorstep at the moment and we have summer internationals as well. Ireland against Japan last week. Uh, a bit of We were talking about it last week, Chris, a bit of a mix of a team. You were saying, Chris, that Andy sort of needed to win that game. Japan were going to be tough. We knew that. So he put out a sort of a mixed team to make sure that the job was done at the end of the day. Everyone, I suppose, would have been expecting, you know, let's put out the Gavin Co- or let's put out the Coombs and all these sort of lads as well. But, uh, you know, getting the win is, I suppose, priority number one. Yeah, no question about that. And I think, um, I think by half time, I was in a slight state of panic because they literally played us off the park. But, um, I mean, Ireland hung in well and, you know, actually definitely finished the game the stronger team. But there's no doubt that uh, Japan played all the rugby. It was, uh, you know, they looked the far better side, far more comfortable on the ball. Their offloading was way, way better. So, um, but look, yeah, we'll take the win. Thanks very much. Stick it in the hip pocket and move on to the next one. And just having a look at the... The side that's out for tomorrow is probably more along the lines that we would have hoped to see over the summer period. So, yeah, look, I think uh, we can obviously talk through the team. But, yeah, I think he'll certainly be very happy with the result last weekend. That's for sure. Johnny, you were looking at it as well, I presume. Um, uh, Josh van der Fleer had an epic game. A couple of lads continuing to put their hands up as well. Um, what was your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought um, Josh van der Fleer was very good, actually, to be fair to him. But... Um, like Chris said, Japan definitely played all the rugby and I do think we were a little bit bullied as well uh, physically by them, which was a bit strange for me to see. I thought our Mahal defence wasn't up to scratch where it should have been. Uh, Chris Farrell and McCluskey in the centre was a decent partnership, to be fair. Um, I know McCluskey is getting a shout again on the weekend, but I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a mix and we can talk about the likes of Gavin Coombs getting in. And maybe we might see a little bit more of it towards the weekend but definitely Japan played all the rugby Absolutely it was one of those things that if he would have put out a weaker side it would have been uh, tears I suppose at the end of that one but mm. he had to you can sort of see now why it had to be balanced up I suppose uh, Lads this weekend uh, yeah, decent team sure I'll name it out for people that haven't heard it so you have Dave Kilkine Ronan Kelleher and Tom O'Toole who's on capped uh, Ulster player in the front row Ryan Baird and James Ryan in the second row Caelan Doris moves to six for this match you have Nick Timoney who's uncapped from Ulster at seven and Gavin Coombs starts at number 
number eight. Craig Casey is the scrum half. Joey Carberry continues it out half. Andrew Conway's on the left wing. You have Stuart McCluskey and James Hume in uh, midfield. James Hume is from Ulster and he's no caps. Robert Balakoon, who's getting his first cap as well, he's at 14. Hugo Keenan's full back. And on the bench, you've got Dave Heffernan from Connacht, Aaron Ed Byrne, Finlay Beelham, Finn Richley from uh, Munster, Paul Boyle from Connacht, and Quail and Blade from Connacht, both uh, no caps. Harry Byrne, Leinster, no caps. And uh, Will Addison uh, from Ulster is on the bench there as well. Yeah, I like that. I like the look of that team. Obviously, naturally disappointed that Tom Daly didn't get a run out at centre or, or as a replacement. But uh, we were talking about Harry Byrne last week, Chris, and how he didn't feature at all on that team sheet last week. Yeah, no, actually, I think it's a lovely looking side as well. And, um, you know, there's definitely, I, there's nobody on that pitch there that wouldn't be hoping that they would be certainly part of the next World Cup or whatever. So I think there's uh, a lots of players in that team have still lots of growing to do. But um, I think, yeah, look, really exciting side. And really interesting to see um, who comes through there. Delighted to see Nick Timoney get a gallop. Um, at seven, I think he is a seven, but he plays most of his rugby in in Ulster at six or eight. Uh, but I know Sam, my lad, would have played under twenties with Nick um, in Leinster, and Juicy was a phenomenal athlete at that stage. And I was kind of I was a little bit surprised to see it's taken him so long to break through. But you know, he'd certainly struggled his first couple of years a little bit. I think in in Ulster as well but yeah look delight to see him get a gallop and be really interested to see how he goes at seven yeah absolutely Johnny you've been having a look at that team what do you reckon yeah I think it's interesting what, what's really interesting about it is he's picked partnerships that play together at club level in kind of key areas like if you look at the second row it's Beard and Ryan if you look at the, the halfback partnership it's Casey and uh, Joey Carberry and then in the centre it's McCluskey and Hume so it's guys who are playing together frequently in their club level and it's more of a for me it'd be a bit more sounder than last week's team because they kind of have that bit of a connection together and it'd be a little bit more sounder in defence and stuff um, it's a good team it's definitely eight on cap players which is really really good um, and hopefully now we'll go and get a good a good bang against USA and hopefully the likes of Casey and Coombs can perform and put their hand up for the World Cup like Chris said you know yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see, <clears throat> excuse me, Robert Balakoon getting a run out at 14. He's done great stuff for Ulster and uh, people have been crying out for him to be on a team sheet as well. So this is his chance. Yeah, no, he yeah, definitely. Like yeah. Sorry, sorry there. Yeah, it looks like a serious prospect. And um, I think it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. He gets a bit of time and time and space. I tell you now, it'd be, it'd be very, very exciting. So, yeah, but I actually like... Uh, the way they've they've put in the kind of partnerships as well with human McCluskey and as I say with the second rows and units like that that's uh, you know smart move no question Johnny what do you think of uh, Caelan Doris moving to six for this one I think he he's kind of a player that can play anywhere across the back row um, he's tested definitely as uh, as an eight um, I don't think there's much of a difference in the way Andy Farrell is playing between a six and an eight at the moment Um all back rows have to be versatile. They're, they're all well able to pass the ball, carry the ball. So I think it's interesting to see that Coombs is going to eight. But um, I think I think there won't be a bother on Caelan Dorison at, at six. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, what, there's only, what, nine caps in that back row as well with Caelan Doris, I suppose, playing like a lad that's been around for a while as well. Keep an eye mm. on the two other boys too. Um, yeah, and then the bench, there's a couple of lads there that know their stuff, Finlay Bealham, Will Addison, Dave Heverton is a couple of caps, I wouldn't call him that experience, I suppose, but the rest of it is all fresh legs. Uh, a lot of people calling out um, uh, Chris for Quail and Blade. Um, every time the Six Nations come around, they're always giving out that he's not in the training squad as well. What's your own thoughts on a couple of those uncapped players? Yeah, well, the one that stands out for me probably would be Paul Boyle. Delighted to see him getting a gallop um, after the season he's had with with uh, with Connacht, and you know he's been very he's been very close. I would imagine a couple of times to getting into the squad, and it's a big step up for him as well. But I think he's certainly done enough with um, with Connacht to earn earn a gallop and it'll be really interesting to see how he goes at the weekend I presume he gets 20 minutes or something so yeah fantastic opportunity and he's probably the one that jumps off the page for me maybe I'm biased as a back rower but certainly Finn Witcherly as well a uh, great opportunity for him too so between the pair of them they would be the kind of two that jump out for me off that bench well, you're definitely biased towards the back rows, Chris. You made that clear from day one on the podcast, but we we, we don't mind that. Um, what do you reckon, Johnny? Any names there on the sheet that you're glad to see or lads that you are uh, would have would liked to see uh, having a run out? Yeah, well, like Chris said, it's, it's great for Paul Boyle, but um, he's actually after having a phenomenal season, to be fair. And it's good that he's a, a local boy as well. He's a Southeast man. He's a, a gory rugby club man. So it's good there for them. But uh, it's great to see Ed Byrne in there, um, again, from a local point of view. But there's no one out of place there. There's definitely no one that shouldn't be there. There's no one that stands out as if, oh, you'd be questioning why is he there. I would like to see Quellen Blade play hopefully 25, 20 minutes. I wouldn't like to see getting 9, 10 minutes or a minute like what Casey got last week, get a bit of time. But it's, it's the thing all the time in Six Nations, for scrum halves especially, Conor Murray doesn't have a good season and then they're crying out for Luke McGrath, Quail and Blade, you know, so these lads have to be tested too at international level, so Saturday will tell a lot, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Are you looking forward to the match, lads, in general? Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah, sure how much, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how much um, the USA will bring to the equation, but um, it should be, you know, it could be interesting to see how the guys go and it's obviously great to see games happening, but yeah, look, yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see some of those guys getting developed for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And from personally, I suppose Harry Byrne, uh, just to see how he gets on. He's probably like, I don't know how he's been training, obviously, because I hadn't been watching that. But, uh, you know, just to, if he gets his 20 minutes or whatever it is, or if they do a 50 50, depending on how the game's going, um, they leave him out for a half. Nice to see uh, how the fellas go. And best of luck to the uh, Ireland team against the USA. It's on Saturday. Lads, we're going to move on to the lines now. Um, <laughs> where do we start? Uh, I suppose we'll start with last night's match. Um, uh, the one uh, against the Celtic Sharks. Um, a truckload of tries. Eight tries went in, Johnny, uh, against them. Um, a couple of uh, hat-tricks as well for Duhan van der Merve and Josh Adams and that. Um, was it a completely different team, though, than we were expecting to start <laughs> before that? <laughs> Yeah, there was, there was a lot of changes last minute. They even had to go with a 7-1 split on the bench. So it's um, it was interesting. But what's 
What's the, you have to look at the positives too, but um, our wingers are scoring for the Lions. You know, Josh Adams' hat-trick last night, he's got, I think he's seven or eight tries. He's leading try scorer in all competitions he's played in for the last three or four years, I think. Uh, Van der Merv was very good. Look, at it shook them a little bit, I'd say, with, the, with all the changes, but they adapted and was the competition much either? You have to ask yourself, really, you know. Um, it was interesting to see Reece Simmons at 10. Um, a big change too for him, I suppose. But look, at the real test will come two weeks' time or weeks' time in play South Africa if it goes ahead. It's, it's hard to see past this Saturday, really, you know. Chris, did you watch the match last night? Yeah, I watched it. All right, yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit of a joke to be honest. I mean, they were, they were very much a second-rate side. They would have been. They're one of the weaker, weaker provinces anyway. And then on top of that, the any guys they had in the South African squad obviously weren't there as well. So, I mean, I think it, it kind of gets a bit of a joke when they, the game ceased to be a game after like fifteen minutes. You you knew it wasn't going to be a fair contest. So from that point of view, it was disappointing. But um, yeah, and as you say, all the changes literally last minute. I think they had seven changes. Yeah, um, when you... it's obviously obviously not ideal. And I see they're playing them again on Saturday. So I mean, ugh, it's turning into a little bit of a joke, to be honest. Yeah, it's um, very very strange. They took out Liam Williams, Anthony Watson, Dan Bigger, Gareth Davies, Tyke Byrne, Connor Murray, Stuart Hogg, and Chris Harris. So you imagine what the game would have been like with them. Yeah, so luck doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, it's getting really, really tricky now. So where they go from here now is it's is anybody's guess, but they'll do seriously well to keep the show on the road. I think. Yeah, um, that match against the Celtic Sharks is replacing the vote of Com Bulls. We're meant to be playing uh, the Lions, but of course. Uh, half the lines have their own and now and uh, it's after throwing everything out of sync. Uh, yeah, Johnny, what do you reckon Saturday's match? Um, you can imagine the Celtic Sharks will be sore after playing on a Wednesday and then have to go out again and get possibly hammered again by the lines. It's a bit... Yeah, I'd have to agree with Chris. It is a bit of a joke at this stage, especially playing them again this Saturday, knowing that the squad the lines have, even without them seven or eight guys missing, they could still potentially put out a fresh 15 and play that same squad again, you know? So it's, uh, you'd, you'd have to question it sometimes. You'd wonder, wouldn't it be as well, maybe play Georgia, Japan, a couple of national teams maybe before before going into it? Because like that, they're going over to South Africa, all their South African players from them clubs have gone into camp. So they're left with essentially their second to maybe third team. And then you're getting the best of the Northern Hemisphere. You're getting the best of the, the British Isles. Like So it's, you'd, you'd have to put into question I don't know how how interesting Saturday would be for a lot of fans um, to sit through another 80 minutes of a 54-7 game from Wednesday night to Saturday, probably similar scoreline. Yeah, what do you reckon, Chris, of the whole um, tour itself? Um, yeah, I'm not you... sure, yeah. I think, I think the merits, I mean, they're playing, they're due to play Springboks A next Wednesday. Is that the 14th? That sound right? And give, give her yeah, so that would that sounds like a realistic fixture. I would have scrapped the game. Now there's obviously TV obligations and various things that they can't wriggle their way out of. But to be stumping up again to play against the Sharks, I just think is is a bit of a joke, and I think it takes away from the whole tour. I'd have I'd have kept them wrapped up for a week and 
take on Springboks A next next Wednesday and, and kind of go from there, you know. But yeah, look, I'm not in charge, so it's not my problem. But we just get to sit in the sidelines here and, and give out. Yeah, so, absolutely. Hurlers on the ditch, they call us. That's the one. That's the one. Um, well, I'm not sure what the rugby equivalent is. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, just we, we were all worried that the tour mightn't go ahead a couple of months ago because coronavirus is, um, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the correct term to use is, it's fairly rampant uh, in South Africa at the moment. Um, and it still is the South African team, this is the second time they've been hit by it. And now the lines are there as well. Uh, I don't know, Johnny. How many more times uh, throughout this tour are we going to see it, uh, a situation where um, it hits camp again and they have to sort of rearrange games or call them off or whatever like that? Mm. It's, a, it's a tough one. Like I know there's lots of money there as well, but even before the Lions tour was called this year and we came out to South Africa, um, you know, I suppose a lot of the wind that went out of the sails of it. Yeah, it's strange, Stephen, because we we obviously lived through for the last eighteen months, as is everyone else in the world. And you're saying, is it really essential to go ahead with it? Look how dangerous it is, how easily it's spreading. Like the the Lions camp have it, the South African camp have it, the Georgian camp have it. So, like, you you have to question it at times. Uh, the excitement factor more than likely is going to go out of it, especially with another game against the Sharks. The credibility of playing for the Lions, or even getting a cap for the lines, you'd have to question that too. It's it's just it's it's a strange it's really, really strange. And you'd wonder was there any necessity to run it at all? Do you know, we're this close to getting back past it. People are getting vaccinated. South Africa is so rampant with COVID at the moment. Where was the logic, you know? But we are where we are. We're here now. They're over there. So we may just uh, go forward. Yeah. What do you reckon, Chris? Yeah, look, I think yeah, I agree. I think what they will do, I mean, the tour does look like it's unraveling. It's kind of already unraveled to a point, but I'd say they will do everything in their power to try and keep the three tests. Um, and, you know, just I suppose it just depends how many, how many COVID cases there are over the next couple of weeks, but you would imagine that will pull the plug if, if, if they can't do that, they have to try and keep the three tests at nothing less. And I wonder would they ever come back this side of the world to even to try and play them to get South Africans or to get everyone back out there. But there's clearly a lot of money tied up in, in the three games. The South Africans obviously get a big bundle of cash as well. So it's really, really important to them for their game that it stays on. And it goes ahead. So, yeah, look, really, really difficult time for everybody involved. But, yeah, look, it's not going to be our call to make. Yeah, you have to feel sorry, Johnny, for a lot of the lads that are getting their first uh, tours over there as well. Um, You know, it's just, it's all tainted at this stage. Yeah, you would, yeah. You you would. But, like, it's the world we live in, unfortunately, at the moment. I'm I'm sure, like, they're they're well used to it at this stage, you know, everything being tainted. But, like Chris said about the money, that would be the major factor I suppose for South Africa mainly is they don't get a lot of money for their clubs or their national team so the likes of this tour it's probably it's a massive thing for them to get that boost of cash into their the rugby system you know but can you let it uh, blind you from what facts are I don't know Um, 
but I do feel sorry for for the Hamish Watsons and the Lewis Ree Simmons and players like these who are young guys coming up in the game, getting their first tour, and then it potentially I don't I don't want to say it could be called off, but if cases are rising, they, they might have no chance, you know, no choice, you know. So it's, it's difficult. It's it's very difficult for them. That's it. It's some contrast, Chris. To you were at that two thousand and nine tour. You weren't playing now, but you were there as a spectator. No, I was only there, only there as a player. But yeah, what an amazing experience that was. And South Africa is such an amazing place to visit. Obviously, with the safari and all that kind of stuff and everything that goes with it. So it's an amazing tour location. I actually only met a lad down in Cork this morning. He basically put a mortgage together to try and go out in the tour. And he'd been building for this for the last six or seven years. Wow. And, um, you know, they didn't, obviously didn't get to travel. And to be fair, I would have thought from a player's perspective, the fans make the tour, you know, yeah. the amount of traveling, 50, 60,000, I think, traveled to South Africa in 2009. And it's just, it's just a massive army. And that's obviously a massive, income into the economy for this for that's for the South African economy as well so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of wins in it for making the tour happen but obviously there's no fans there this year but it's um so it does I think it takes away dramatically from the whole spectacle and of of what it is and what it stands for but look if you're a player and somebody's given you the op, the opportunity to go and pull on that shirt you're going to do Everton in your fucking power to make sure that that you can and you do and you're going to make you're going to make it happen. So regardless, whatever happens, everybody who gets a gallop, and I think Anthony Watson is he the only one who hasn't had a gallop yet? Um, you know, at least I can say they played for the Lions. So and that's really important. And hopefully, you know, I do hope the tests can stand the test of time. Excuse the pun. But um, hopefully they, they will go ahead. So, look, fingers crossed, that's all we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Selfishly, uh, we all want to see a good few mm-hmm. Lions games and uh, competitive ones at that as well. Um, and just speaking about that, Johnny, there's a couple of um, rugby pundits, um, I suppose including ourselves, uh, talking about, the, they've started to question the quality of some of these South African club teams. Now, this is some of it is just based off the back of... Uh, the Lions hammering the South Sea Sharks and that, but obviously, as we know, the some of the South African franchises are coming over to the United Rugby Championship. Uh, yeah, we had, we had this last week, Chris. We we're trying to remember the name, but um, do you know the old Pro 14, 15, 16, 12, um, Magnus League, the Magnus League, the Celtic Cup? Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. Um, uh, yeah, there was a question about the quality of the teams coming over. Myself and Chris have spoken here over the last few weeks about, you know, welcoming the fact that we're getting a couple of big tough South African teams into the competition to harden us up a bit as well and uh, throw a cat amongst the pigeons in terms of competition mm. and physicality and all that stuff. Um, would you be worried about some of these South African teams? Maybe, you know, we're bigging them up a bit too much? Yeah, but the thing about that team is who would they... Who are they judging them off? Like, are they judging them off a Leinster or a, you know, or a, a top team with with great backing, great funding behind it? Mm-hmm. Like, they're talking about these teams. Like, uh, they're worried about the, the level of competition. Are they just going to be adding numbers? Are they going to compete? What are they going to do? But like, who are you judging them off? It's like, you know, it's it's very 
it's very easy to judge a scale off a team that have serious funding to a team that have minimum resources where a lot of their good players could be playing in France, could be playing in Ireland, could be playing anywhere. Like, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's strange one to be judging them that way. But I don't know. I think the physicality side of things when they come into the pro or the rugby championship, United rugby championship, I definitely think some teams will get shaken up by it. Um, I don't think they'll be there to make up numbers. Um, I really don't. Like, I know the Rainbow Cup was played this year and wasn't really taken seriously. Some teams had said they didn't take it seriously. Treviso won it, but are they, were they there to make up numbers? Do you know? So, five years ago, Leinster would have trounced them. Maybe this year they still might. I don't know. But, yeah, it's hard. How do, how do you judge these teams when they haven't been trial and tested, you know? Yeah, well, we had we had two teams, um, two South African teams with us. Was it last year, year before yeah. last year? Yeah. Um, and there were no great shakes um, either, uh, as such. I know the the Lancers and the Munsters and all. We all rotated our games out there and that, but you know, sort of came away with sort of. You know, not too challenged for once. Want of a better mm. phrase, Chris? I don't know. Some people reading a bit too much into it. Yeah, I think. Well, I think to be fair, they were the two weaker provinces, for want of a better term, the weaker teams that played at that level. Whereas the four that are coming in now are the are the big guns. So it will be interesting to see how they go. But yeah, certainly, I was absolutely shocked with the Benetton results in the final. I thought they would have um, kicked Benetton off the park. So. I mean, physically as opposed to goal kicking. But, um, yes, yeah, so look, yeah, I suppose the jury's out a little bit on that, but I would have thought just from what you see on the TV and stuff and the Super Rugby stuff that they would have played uh, with the Kiwis and the Australians that they'd be a fairly serious outfits and that at the level of physicality certainly they would bring will be at a at a higher level than we've seen before. But yeah, look that we'll know that if this tour goes ahead, I suppose it'll give us a good idea uh, where the South Africans are at. But based on the fact they won the last World Cup um and South African would South African rugby you'd have to think is in a fairly good place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would have thought that, and it's regardless, the extra competition is welcome uh, into the uh, Pro 14, 15 United Rugby Championship. Um, you know, regardless, just to change things up, there's been a lot of criticism uh, of the Pro 14 uh, recently um, that Leinster were sending out. We discussed this a good few times anyway. Leinster were able to send out their B's and C's uh, when the big guns were playing international rugby and, uh, you know, were able to keep everything ticking over relatively handily as well. So, um, yeah, from my own point of view, I, I welcome the South African teams coming in as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of some of the major topics, I suppose, covered uh, in terms of rugby this week. Um, just sort of swinging back to... Uh, more local matters as well. Um, the under twenties played Italy during the week. Uh, no sign of Tim Corkery on that sheet as well. Probably one of those things, Chris, that they probably didn't need him on the night. Yeah, well, I think what they do with twenties generally is that bar they're going for the championship, they try and give everyone in the squad a gallop, and that's certainly what they did at the weekend. I think there was only four or five from the English game who who doubled up. So. I think it was a question of giving everyone a gallop. But having said that, I did see a bit of the game and it was a good contest now. And Italy 
who should have beaten France the week before and put 40 points on Scotland were no mean, you know, they were no mean outfit and they looked like a serious, serious bunch of rugby players. So given that it was probably Ireland's shadow team at under 20 level, uh, bar one or two, it was, uh, it was a very impressive performance, I thought, yeah. What do you think, Johnny? You've been following the under 20s? Yeah, I've been watching it. Yeah, it's, when you, especially when you have someone local like likes of Tim Corpy on it, it's good to be interested in it. But like what Chris said, it's it, it was a mixed team. It wasn't Ireland's probably wouldn't say best but strongest uh, fifteen going out against them. But credit to them, they came back from twenty three twelve at half time to win thirty twenty three. So, but I was impressed with the Italians. I really was impressed with the Italians. And like that, forty points on Scotland definitely should have beat France the week before. So. 20s Championship is always good. There's always very good rugby in the 20s yeah, yeah. Championship. And you can never really decide who's going to win or say, oh, yeah, they're guaranteed winners. They're, you know, it's it's a lot different than when Ireland senior play Italy senior, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, good. Like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and what do you reckon going forward, Chris, for the rest of the tournament? Um, obviously, that loss to England um, is after putting them on the back foot a small bit as well, but all is not lost. Yeah, no, so they've France left, is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone has played, so you look at who knows. Yeah, I think they're oh, look at what the, the function in the under 20s, I suppose, is to spot the next generation, and there's definitely one or two, maybe even more in that side who you would imagine will go on to to be a serious part of Andy Farrell's plans, hopefully, over the next three to four or five years. So, yeah, no, I think it, uh, they do a really good job. I think Richie Murphy's done a super job at that level. And Noel McMahon and guys before him have have been really, really excellent. At one, making sure everyone gets a gallop and gets involved, but also that um, we're helping prep guys to, you know, to move into the professional game on a full-time basis. So, yeah, look, I think, to be fair, over the last seven, eight, nine years, really, I think Ireland have, you know, they haven't won all the championships, but we've been there or thereabouts um, pretty much every year. And while at the same time, making sure guys get experience and guys are getting exposure at that level, which is what it's all about, you know. So, yeah, fantastic, I think. Absolutely. Johnny, you have a couple of uh, young lads on the Leinster uh, under 18 clubs team. Uh, James Wheel and Adam Day were called up there and they were training during the week um, up in Nace. Um, he's a little conveyor belt going out there for the men and women. Yeah, well, I don't know about conveyor belt, but, it's a, but a bicycle chain maybe or something. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's going well and, and, and all credit to the lads. Um, I actually coached Adam and James about five years ago in the club, um, James actually played back row and Adam was a second row. He's now a tight head and James is an out half. <laughs> and, but they're two good kids. And Adam Johnson was in the mix there as well. He got a, an injury in the in the trial game. So he won't be too far away. And then Dan O'Brien with the 18 girls. She was training there last night with them. But yeah, look at every club gets their go at, I suppose. And every club has their five or six years where they just consistently have these good talents, I suppose, or look at the draw, maybe. But um, it's great for the lads and, and Dan and that, so hopefully it goes well for them and they get the Interpros and stuff, you know, it'll be nice to get a little cap there and 
get the reward for all their work, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you have lads like Tim Corkery from a club point of view and um, blazing trails there and showing what can mm. be done. You know, Leinster Academy, Leinster Senior Caps, the Irish underage representatives as well. Um, this mm. is what it's all about, Chris. The next person in inspires the one coming behind them as well. Exactly, yeah. No, absolutely. And you get a guy, Tuller is a great example. I mean, it's just club has turned inside out since Sean O'Brien hit the big time and it was a huge impetus to the club. And, you know, that's what the likes of Tim Corkery hopefully in time will do for Kilkenny as well. And, you know, it's the same out West, Cale and Aris originally from Mayo and up Castle Bar and stuff. That means a huge amount to them when guys and gives the whole club a lift and everybody wants to be involved. So, yeah, look, it's amazing the impact that one or two players can have um, at, at that level at club level and it's really really important for those clubs as you say to to get their moment to shine and when they get somebody coming through that the club get behind them and support them but as you say then it helps helps the next generation come through as well so yeah no fantastic absolutely and long may continue as well Lazarus we'll just yeah Stephen just give a, a mention there sorry to Barry Gray there from Carlo as well he made the, the Leinster 19 squad there um, yeah. Barry's a very good kid very good rugby player um so hopefully that goes well for him there as well. I know you were talking to um, Tom Crotty last week or week before there. So Barry's there. Like, and likes Tom Daly, Ed Byrne and Brian Byrne, they would have probably paved the way, to, so to say, for the likes of Barry Gray to follow up, you know. So hopefully it goes well for Barry there as well. That's it. Uh, we're on our local rugby front, we're doing pretty well. Tullo, Carlo, Kilkenny, um, producing uh, future stars as well. Long may it continue. Lads, we look forward to the, the rugby. Let's hope... Uh, We've uh, a line series to look forward to. Um, and like Chris said, a couple of tests will definitely go ahead. God knows what will happen in terms of uh, the tour over the next week and COVID cases and all that. It's all coming thick and fast at us. But uh, we've a bit, little bit of stuff to watch on the telly anyway, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, definitely better than Love Island anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You can say that again. Um, that's it. Uh, thanks a million to Chris Pym, uh, former Leinster captain, of course, and uh, a wealth of knowledge of an experience uh, with rugby. And Johnny Tobin, uh, I suppose, uh, Tullo coach, former PRO, uh, all the other, the Tullo legends, that's the other one I gave you as well. Um, thanks I'll teach Chris a few tricks how to become a legend. Sounds good uh, to me. Chris is a bit put out that we didn't give him the legend status, but um, yeah, I know he has that. Uh, he earned that years ago. As well. He will, he will earn that. Absolutely, um, lads. Thanks a million for talking to us. Uh, hopefully, we'll have plenty to talk about next week uh, on the next uh, episode of it. Um, available to download on all your streaming platforms: Spotify, iTunes, all those places, and on Scoreline.ie. Fellas, thanks for talking to us this week. Pleasure. Water, Stephen. Cheers, my man.